everyone and welcome back to the P10 podcast. So today I have with me Kelly. Hi Kelly. Hello. Um, what's your story with P10? Well, um, yeah, so where do we begin really? So yeah, my name's Kelly and my, I've got a son that's got P10. Uh, his name is Austin and he is now 10 years old. Um, our story kind of goes right back to when he was diagnosed when he was two years, eight months. Um, but to be honest, I think our story, you know, obviously starts way before then, almost kind of when I was pregnant, because they did know that something wasn't quite right. His, um, his growth charts um, during pregnancy, mm. well, he was obviously off the scale, a large head <laughs> um, <laughs> and everything like that. So um, they were they were testing me for things like fragile X and Down syndrome and um, kind of more ones that they're more uh, that are more common and kind of that they know about, but nothing was kind of found. And then, yeah, we kind of were just left to get on with it, I suppose. Um, the first year of his life was actually really difficult um in the sense that lots of things kind of went wrong and they didn't really know why so he was obviously very floppy at birth and obviously looking back we now know why he was floppy but and he had he had real problems uh breastfeeding and that was to do with the fact that he, he's got a very high palate in his mouth mm. um so he couldn't breastfeed at all um so that was a struggle uh, so he went onto the bottle very quickly um but yeah, then he was very floppy and we got rushed into hospital and they actually thought um, that he had meningitis oh. and he had to have a, um, what's the thing when you have the needle in your spine? What's that called? Oh, it, no, I was going to say epidural, but. Uh, yeah, no, no, yeah, that's because like that. <laughs> you just had a baby. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah so that, that was really difficult. And obviously you look back, don't you, in hindsight, when you've, yeah. you've got your P10 diagnosis and you can kind of see all these things that happened and why they happened. But at the time, it was all really, really scary. And you just didn't know what was, you know, what was wrong with your child. Yeah. Um, obviously, he didn't have meningitis um, and he was fine. But um, he kind of, I think in the first six months of his life, he was in hospital for about two months of those on and off. So, yeah, we just felt we were like in, out, in, out, you know, and mm. not really knowing what was going on. Um, yeah, and then, you know, as any parent, you know your child and just watching his milestones um, and the fact that he wasn't reaching them when he should have been, um, you know, obviously they're all red flags of things like he couldn't hold his head up. So obviously he couldn't crawl. Um, yeah. at a young age um, I'm sure lots of people listening to this have got children very similar um, and obviously his low muscle tones he couldn't sit up couldn't walk you know for a long long time and those have obviously come I mean, he's 10 now he's fine you know in, in terms of he does walk about and everything it's just things just take a lot longer don't they yeah so yeah that was kind of all very traumatic and then I just kept pushing for a diagnosis really not I didn't know what I was I didn't know what the diagnosis <laughs> was going to be but I just kept going to the doctors going no come on you know we need to help me here there's not something's not quite right you just wanted to know what was going on well, with exactly. your child and I think what was hard is that Austin was actually my first child so although I did have in, you know an inclination that something wasn't right I didn't have um, another child to compare it to so in a way, I probably even, I did let things slide a bit more than I would have um, since, since, you know, since Austin, I have had another one that doesn't have P10. So 
I think I would have even been even more worried, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so and we kept pushing for, and we actually got seen by a geneticist um, that came down to Sussex every three or four months. She would do a clinic, so we actually got invited into um, to to meet her. And what was incredible is um, this this geneticist looked at one look at Austin and said, "Oh." I want to test him for something called P10. And I was like, oh, what's that? And she, in her 20-year career, she said she'd met one other child with P10. Wow. Yes. So she said it's like finding a needle in a haystack. She said, but she'd found the needle before. <laughs> That's how yeah. she described it. So she had, it was incredible, really, because I think if we hadn't met her, we might have been on an even longer journey. Um, But actually, because of his large head and his low muscle tone, and he's got a couple of cafe au lait patches on his skin, they were the things that she said, oh, because he's got these patches, that's what I want to test him for. So, yeah, so that was, you know, it's kind of a blessing and a curse, isn't it? You want a diagnosis. You want to know what you're dealing with. Um, But you also don't really want to know the answer, if you sort of mean. It's kind of that, you know, like, oh, now I've got the answer, but yeah um yes we kind of left that meeting and obviously I googled it straight away you know like any any mother would oh yeah Um, (laughs) so although we didn't get the results for a few months obviously we had to put in all his blood samples and everything um as soon as I read it I just went yep that's what he's got because I could just tick everything you know I could just go yeah he's got that yeah he's got that yeah he's got that so I kind of yeah felt like almost reassured straight away I thought now we know what we're dealing with um so yeah he was yeah just over two and a half when he got his diagnosis and although that was about seven years ago um yeah I kind of feel like it was a lot harder to to connect with other families and to know you know to find doctors that knew what they were talking about um because it's so rare and we just did a lot of research ourselves as a family. My mum got involved heavily and was doing a lot of research for us. And we came across two amazing places. So one was Dr. Catherine Lackland down at Southampton. Yeah. Um, and we managed to get an appointment with her. And that was just amazing to go and meet her because obviously she's, you know, knows a lot about P10 and she's met a lot of families and yeah, it was just very reassuring. It's really good that Austin was now going to be under her care. Um, we just felt really reassured. Um, and we, you know, we could ask lots of questions if we needed to. Um, so that was brilliant. Um, and then the other um, side of it is that we then obviously found out about the Cleveland Clinic in America. So I think because we didn't really know everything that we needed to know, because it's such a rare condition, we just thought, right, we're going to get to Cleveland I don't know how, <laughs> but we're going to do it because we want to find out everything we can for Austin and about Austin so we know what we're dealing with for the next, well, for his life, really. Um, so then I actually did a fundraiser because uh, I've got a background in events and fundraising. Yeah. So uh, I did a big fundraiser at a big uh venue down in Sussex and we invited everyone we knew <laughs> and we got the local radio involved and lots of we got managed to get lots of different prize raffle raffle prizes and and everything so we yeah we had a big raised ten thousand pounds that night um yeah and we so I'm gonna get I'm getting all emotional thinking about it but yes Aww. then we managed to take him to America 
which was incredible. So we, you know, we phoned up the Cleveland Clinic. We got appointments for everybody. We actually met Dr. Eng, which was incredible. Um, but we saw all her colleagues, you know. So what was amazing about the Cleveland Clinic is that they've got a, you know, they've got like a little kind of um, clinic out there where there's a specialist, you know, there's a cancer specialist, there's a skin specialist, there's a neuro doctor, there's, um, you know, sorry, I don't know all the all the medical terms, but no. there's you know, somebody that will look at looked at his skin. There's somebody that looked basically. We did a, a MRI scans and looked in his brain. We looked, um, you know, they did cancer checks. They did, and they basically checked every element that they could, um, which was just incredible. And all the doctors knew everything about P10, so they knew what they were looking for. So that made um, you feel better that well, a doctor yeah. actually knew something. Yeah, exactly. And it was lovely that. Um, you know, yeah, that you could talk to a doctor that had met, you know, 40, 50, 60, 100 patients, whatever, with the condition. So, um, I mean, it was quite scary. I mean, what something that really does stick in my mind is the the neuro doctor. Um, it was, yeah, it was a really hard conversation because he actually said that Austin was one of the worst conditions that he'd seen with P10 in terms of his white brain matter. So that was really hard to hear, um, but I was still grateful that I was talking to a doctor that had seen a lot of P10 brains because that still made me feel like, right, this guy knows what he's talking about and, you know, what, what we're going to be dealing with. Um, and then what was great is they've got an autism centre out there um, and they know all about P10. And Austin was invited along for the day um, to go in and meet these specialists and he actually got an autism diagnosis out there in Cleveland that we brought back with us because the waiting list over here to get a diagnosis was you know 18 months two years to be seen and we really needed to get Austin help um, you know and get him some therapy um, and some intervention at school so yeah so we managed to actually get an autism diagnosis out there and we brought that back with us. And because it was on the, a, I think it's called the ADOS scale, isn't it? Or the um, a, ASOS, ASOS scale. So um, it was recognised by the council over here and they they put it on his medical notes without without needing to test him again. Yeah. So that that was a really good, diag you know, really, really helpful because that, that kind of thing going forward, you know, when we were back here, we could get him a lot more help with education and everything. Um, and then the other really good thing that came out of that trip was that we managed to um, get help with melatonin for sleep because Austin has never slept well. Um, and then we were explained when we went over there that, you know, children with learning difficulties particularly, um, they don't make, you know, enough melatonin um, and it just it, it makes it hard for them to fall asleep at night. And before yeah. we went to America... It would take two hours to get Austin to go to sleep, My you know, word. if not longer. You know, we put him down and and he wasn't distressed or anything, but he just, you know, he his melatonin didn't kick in, so he just yeah. didn't feel tired. So, yeah, so we kind of uh, we managed to get a melatonin um, prescription out there, and obviously that it was American. But what we did is we came back, went to see our GP, and just said, "Look, this is what the medical doctors, the you know the." Um, the experts on P10, this is what they recommend. And thankfully, our GP agreed and decided that, you know, we could have the liquid melatonin here. So 
yeah, so that kind of worked out really well as well. So I just feel that, yeah, I think that that trip was was amazing for us, and we just felt that you know a lot of, a lot of stuff fell into place, and we just understood a lot more about P10, um, you know, and what you know how we can help Austin as well. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of the first part of his life, I suppose. That's until he was about five, um, and then he went to a. Uh, I mean, it's always of a battle, isn't it? P10 is just a constant. It's hard. Yeah, and I know it. I know it affects families and children differently, and all families are. I'm sure they'll resonate with some stuff I've said and not others. And but um, you know, for Austin, we sent him to a special needs school uh, in the area, um, which in you know in itself was hard. You know, you have to get past that hurdle, don't you, mentally? And you just think, no, I know that this is what my son needs and everything. So. He started to go there, but then because he's very placid, um, and I'm sure a lot of people will um, agree with me that just you know children with P10, they just well Austin particularly, he's just he's more numb to his environment. You know, he doesn't. Um, it takes quite a lot for him to kind of wake up, as it were, and, and engage with you know with the world and um, people around him. And he loves things like going on zip lines and theme park rides and all that oh. because it wakes him up if you see what I mean he gets it gets him excited um and because of that and because he's quite numb and very quiet and placid he would he just basically got ignored at school and he was oh. there for three years he didn't come on at all really um although that it was a special needs school unfortunately they still have to kind of follow the curriculum and they were trying to teach him things like RE <laughs> which I'm sorry but no Austin's nice. non-verbal and he's at that time when he's five or six he was mentally about two years old so you know he's not going to understand you know anything about RE you know he's got in my opinion he had to learn things about you know toilet train how to get dressed oh. you know the basics you know yeah. that, that are going to help him in life so we then decided, <laughs> my <laughs> husband, we actually took the local authority to court um, to, um, yeah, to get Austin homeschooled. So that was a really long process. It probably took about 18 months. Um, yeah, we, we battled. So we, we basically got, every, we got a really amazing law firm involved that had been through the process hundreds of times and knew exactly what we needed to do. And we had to get in like a speech and language therapist, a physio, an occupational therapist, um, an educational psychologist. And they all came in, met Austin at school and at home, wrote a big report. And then we had to submit it all for the courts, basically, and yeah. say, you know, this is what we want. Um, and thankfully, we won. So fantastic! it was amazing. Yeah, it was um Looking back, I was, it was probably more stressful than I realised. <laughs> because it's one of these things that, you know, if you lose, you lose. You don't you don't get your money back or anything. You know, so we, we remortgaged our house. You know, it cost us yeah. nearly 40 grand. It was a lot. Oh. It's a lot of money. But, you know, I'm sh like every parent, they, you know, you'll do anything for your child, won't you? So for us, that was like, this is what we've got to do. And you know what? It's been the best thing we have ever done for Austin yeah so yeah he's now homeschooled uh that we're just going into our third year um this week you know in September so um and he's got a classroom at home 
he has ABA therapists come in four times a week. Um, and he so basically he has a one to one lady and he's doing something called EFL, which stands for Essentials for Living. And it's a scheme where it's set on eight criteria, but it literally is the eight essential things you need to be able to survive in life, basically. Mm. So it's like danger awareness, um, self-help skills, things like getting dressed, um, functioning around the home, you know, around the kitchen um and then going out in into the into society so he could like you know cross the road and go down to the shops not on his own obviously but you know just just functioning you know with somebody um so yeah he's learning all that it is really interesting to hear what's gone on for you as well yeah I mean I know that everyone's journey is different and you know there will be families out there with children with with the severe learning difficulties and the autism and you know, they might be a few years behind me and their child might be quite small. But I, yeah, I suppose I just want to say that, you know, there is hope out there and there is, he- you know, there is help. You know, we've just, you've just got to know where to look, really. Um, but yeah, so we're just really thankful that Austin does this homeschooling now. He does something called Talk Tools, which um, is a therapy that's come over from America that basically helps, helps strengthen all your muscles in your face. So it's not just literally about the speech sound. It's about trying to form the speech sound with your mouth and your tongue. Um, Because, you know, Austin's got such a low IQ that he needs help even to put his tongue in the right place to be able to form the sound and that that kind of thing. Um, And the regular kind of speech and language therapist that the local authority was um, sending us, um, I'll never forget... I kind of we went in for this session and she actually said well I can't really help Austin until he starts talking <laughs> like no joke and I kind of looked oh. at him and was like isn't that your job to yeah <laughs> to kind of you... help him learn to speak <laughs> yeah shouldn't they be helping you start like give you the the steps and the to give you the start oh it? exactly it was really funny so she so I kind of walked away from there and thought right she's not the right person to help us because I think really her her experience was more in children that almost could already speak but like needed to help forming the words better or do you know what I mean and like the sound better but because Austin didn't even have the um the ability to even make the sounds like she couldn't yeah she couldn't basically help him so um it's just finding the right kind of services out there you know isn't it for your you know for what your child needs but yeah, so this year, so Austin's now ten, and um, we've just we've just um, potty trained. So we're just at the point where he's now toilet trained, which is oh, we're really, yeah, it's made a really big difference in our life. Um, you know, we can do an, an hour's car journey, or you know, even a bit longer, and you know, we know he's fine, and um, he doesn't really still tell us he needs the toilet. This is the thing, but we are, yeah. you know, we're we're working on that. Um, but he will take himself, especially if he's in a familiar surroundings, like obviously our home, but grandparents' homes or whatever. Um, and yeah, so yeah, we're, we're, and he's dry at night and everything. So that's that's all been amazing this year. That's oh, been yeah. really good. I mean, it's really weird. We kind of had in our head, oh, you know, we'd like to try and get him to a train by the age of 10. It was just kind of a milestone for us we were aiming for. So yeah, yeah. We've been, I think since he's been homeschooled for the last couple of years, that's helped because obviously... He's been, you know, he's had the toilet right there and a one-to-one. So just that repetition every day with somebody 
yeah um yeah has kind of we've cracked it so yeah it's been you know I look back now it's quite funny talking to you because it's like you look back on your whole journey and you think oh my god what a decade (laughs) (laughs) it's been been a little bit stressful (laughs) well that's the thing you you don't really look back on it but when you actually look back on what you've been through you cannot believe the journey that you've gone on yeah well and almost like oh my god we have actually done a lot you know like we've been through a lot no wonder we're exhausted (laughs) yeah (laughs) but um but you know no Austin's really happy and I think you know from my personal point of view and I you know I want to say this just because of other parents that might have been struggling um you know I have suffered with depression through it you know yeah you know I had you know when I, I think before Austin was diagnosed it was a bit like what's going on then Austin was diagnosed and then and, and you, you'll be um you know you know about this because you just had a baby so three weeks after Austin was diagnosed um I had a baby yeah so I had my second child so I felt like I was suddenly I had this newborn and you know a newly diagnosed toddler so unfortunately I really struggled for you know four or five years and you know I want to kind of you know, I'm happy to put that out there because, you know, other people might be going through that as well. And I think it was a lot of, I felt very alone. Yeah. Um, I had lots of people around me that were trying to be supportive, but they were saying very unhelpful things like, don't worry, he will speak. Um, he's not autistic. He'll be mm. fine. He will go to school, you know, and all those kind of things. And because Austin was like two, three, four years old then, and it was all a bit unknown of where he was going to get to in life. Yeah. Um, they were kind of, they were trying to be nice, but it, it, it didn't really help because you kind of knew that you were dealing with something else and you were thinking, no, let's be realistic here. You know, mm-hmm. we're trying to, you know, come to terms with everything. So, um, you know, even things like the local authority before they gave him a space at a special needs school, before he was homeschooled, obviously, they were making me go and look at mainstream schools. Oh. And it was really sad because I knew I was dealing with a four-year-old that was mentally about one and a half to two at the time, couldn't use the toilet, couldn't speak, and the local authority are telling me that he might have to go to mainstream. And it was absolutely terrifying, and I was crying my eyes out. I was going into these schools... Like crying at the, uh, literally crying at the, the head yeah. teachers going, I don't even want my child, I'm sorry, but my child is not, can't do mainstream. But I was told I had to go and look at schools to put, put you know, put down mainstream schools. So there was a lot of, you know, you look back and you think, God, there's so much that you kind of had to go through. Um, And it's only now that I feel like we know what we're dealing with. You know, I feel like because Austin's 10, we're just at that point now in life where, Almost like we know, you know, we know almost how far he's going to come. Hope, you know, obviously he's got a few years left of growing and developing. But, you know, gone are the days where I think he's going to have a conversation with me verbally. Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not sitting here dreaming anymore that he's going to say, you know, mummy, can I go and do this or whatever? Like, I'm, yeah. you know, I've come to terms with the fact that um, he uses a pro, his prolo quo on his iPad. And he talks to me through that so he can say, you know, I'd like this, or I'd like that, or, you know, I want to go in the garden or whatever. So, um, yeah, and I think, yeah, you just kind of you change your your perspective of the situation and, you know, and, and 
almost you know the situation that you've got and you, you just you know you deal with you know you just deal with what you've got don't you yeah so and I mean it's amazing to you know be part of the p10 group and the charity um it's great to find other families that have you know have, that are also going through similar things I think one thing I found um going to all the p10 open days that we have in London is actually everyone's got a very different journey in a way and there's so many elements to it yeah you know so you meet some children that don't have any learning difficulties or very moderate um, and they still go to mainstream or they can still speak or um you know or you get the ones that have unfortunately had cancer when they were younger but they don't yeah so it's just lots of things isn't there well this is what affected my pregnancy journey because my journey with p10 has not it's not affected me at all no i just had a big head yeah so thinking about going through having a child i had to decide what would be best to do because i've met all these children and these people that have suffered with it and i thought yeah. what should i do yeah and exactly. i decided to go through the ivf route because i thought do I want to bring a child into this world that may suffer or do I want to try and give a child the best chance of life and well and yeah it's, exactly. it's a hard decision yeah no no it's a very hard decision and it's mm. you know obviously we we had no idea that Austin was you know going to have P10 my husband and I don't aren't carriers it was just a gene change yeah um but yes, I can I can imagine that if I had P10, I, well, I don't know what I'd do, to be honest. <laughs> you yeah. know, you don't know who in that situation, do you? No, once um, you're in that decision, at that point, you just have yeah. to make the decision. I mean, I, all I can all I can say, all I can kind of think every day is that Austin is really happy. So yeah. I almost feel that the journey's been harder for me and my husband I know that sounds awful but oh no um Austin's been happy throughout all of this you know he doesn't understand what he's missing out on in a way you know as a mum I'm the one going oh he's he's never going to go to a child's birthday party Mm. um he's never going to sing a Christmas carol he's never going to go and do a school play yeah he's you know um he's never going to go and do field trips or and he'll you know he'll never have a girlfriend he'll never or, you know he won't have a life partner but because he's yeah. just not mentally capable um mm. and we almost know what he's missing out on in a way and I think that that was a big cause of my depression particularly and um having Freddie who is younger than Austin suddenly seeing him come into the world and everything that he went through like all his milestones and meeting little friends and going to school and that was like really really hard yeah um but actually freddie's like surpassed austin obviously in terms of his mental you know as soon as he could talk when freddie was two he basically you know completely surpassed austin obviously and everything that he could do so suddenly then i had this toddler who could do a lot more than my you know my my boy that was four three you know three years older so it just yeah it took a long time to get used to but I think now we've got we've got an amazing family dynamic where you know we know what you know we know what level Freddie's at we know what level Austin's at in a way and we do stuff as a family that you know ev- everyone enjoys like theme parks and going swimming and stuff oh, yeah. And, yeah and things we you know that everyone can enjoy and we include Austin as much as we can um 
yeah, and I've just kind of, you know, come to terms, I suppose, with what with what Austin's life is going to look like. But because he's really happy, like I said, he's just, you know, he he's he's completely content. You know, he loves chocolate. He loves his iPad. He loves his trampoline. He's going to the <laughs> park. He loves swimming, and he's happy. So Aww. you know, that's what. Yeah, that that's you know that's what we're um, we're focusing on. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, what advice would you give to parents that have children with P10? Oh, my goodness me. <laughs> what advice would I give? Um, I think, oh, do you know what? I think I just say stay strong and don't. The thing that I think has helped me the most um, and to get Austin the most, you know, out of, you know, out of everything that I need, you know, in terms of schooling and therapies and is that you know your child the best and don't take no answer or don't take the wrong answer. If, unfortunately, obviously, you know, I do respect all these doctors and, and teachers and everything, but if I feel like they don't understand Austin's condition and don't understand what he needs, um, I don't just take the first answer. You know, I'm, you know, I'm one of those pushy parents, but I will be in a meeting, you know, with, with, you know, at like for example, at Austin's old special needs school, and I'm I'm saying like I'm literally Austin's voice. He cannot speak. <laughs> yeah. You know, I am here to represent Austin, and I need to get the best I can for him. Um, and yeah, and like things like you know melatonin, for example, and my GP originally saying they didn't want to give it to us, or um, you know, just anything. Even we we've now got a blue badge for parking. You know, and I just had to go through all the rigmarole of you know doing all that or even getting the DLA payments, um, so, you know, so he gets some funding. And it's just everything. I just say, you know, it is a battle, but stay strong and, yeah, just do what you know what is right for, for your child. And, you know, if you have to have a glass of wine at the end of the day to get through it, <laughs> then you do. But, um, but, yeah, that's what I think I just felt, I felt very alone on the, on my journey a lot of the time. Not, you know, I've obviously got an amazing husband, you know, but I was, together, I mean, we felt alone, you know, as in there's nobody else really. Um, but you just have to just keep going, um, you know, until, you, you know, until you get what you want, really. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I hope I haven't bored you all too much. No, it's been fantastic talking to you and thank you very much for taking time out of your day. Oh, well, thank you for listening to me. <laughs> yeah, um, well, yeah, it's been a, it's been interesting, actually, to, to think back on it because I haven't done that for a long time. So, well, yeah. thank you for sharing your story and thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye bye, everyone. Thank, thank you. you. Bye.